Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the February 4, 2024 session, focusing upon 1 Corinthians 9, 16 through 27, all things to all people. I'm Daniel Glaze. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm David Adams. And I'm Crystal Shepard. Our fearless leader, David Cassidy, is taking the day off. He's going to miss the next two episodes, but you may have heard... David is a new grandfather, and he <laughs> is, yes, I have seen pictures, and I know this is a podcast, so listeners, you'll just have to take our word for it. His new granddaughter is a cutie. Yes. She is she, precious. David is going to join us in the near future, but he's taking some time off to enjoy that grandbaby. grandbaby. So congratulations to his wife and to him and to his daughter and son-in-law and their entire family. So we've got a a wonderful text here from 1 Corinthians, and it causes us to ask, it's a text in which Paul talks about trying to be different things to different people. So let me ask you, have you ever tried to be someone you're not or try on a different persona or maybe go incognito in a different area of town, however you want to answer that. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. I don't guess I can count my my stint in theater, can I? <laughs> You're always pretending to be someone else then. But I, I think for me in my, my personal life, I probably have spent a good portion of my 20s. I guess you're trying to figure out who you are, but... What I did know of myself, I probably tried to hide, especially, and even into doing, I'll say, homeschooling, because a lot of the community, I didn't homeschool for religious reasons, and a lot of people homeschool for religious reasons, and so I had to hide a little bit of, as you all know and hear my opinionatedness (laughs) about things um, relating to theology. Um, And so I had to hide that away a little bit. Um, So I wasn't maybe as vocal um, in those kind of circles. I am now, but I wasn't in the past. Mm -hmm. I get that. I can see. Yeah. Yeah, That makes sense. So for me, I, and it does not come with any shame about who I am. I'm, proud about who I am and and I love what I get to do professionally but <laughs> when I sit down on an airplane next to a stranger <laughs> and they say so what do you do <laughs> and I, I when you say I'm a pastor the strangest conversations will follow <laughs> and I'm an extrovert I love to make new friends But usually I just want to have a ginger ale and take a nap because it's been a long trip or whatever. And yeah, sometimes I just say I'm an administrative assistant or I'm a recycling man or something. It'll fit anything. But that's that I'll change who I am for that. Have you ever gotten caught? They knew something about the industry you said you were in and then you didn't know how to keep the conversation going. No, I've. I have so wanted to tell people I was a prophet and just <laughs> see where that goes, but I don't know. I'm famous for getting myself in trouble, so it's around the corner, I'm sure. I've got a trip coming up at the end of this month, and so watch. It'll happen. It'll happen. It'll <laughs> happen. This idea about 
being somebody pretending to be somebody else it's an interesting question i certainly did theater and that's where you do this kind of thing on purpose so i'm right there with you crystal but sometimes and we talked a little bit about this before we started recording i am i have adhd i've talked about that on here and that means that i am neurodivergent is a word that people are using now to talk about people whose brains work differently than like the typical brain And in that community, we talk a lot about masking. And what that means is that people who are neurodivergent will behave in certain ways to fit into their surroundings. And I think that I've definitely done that in my life. Like I definitely, like (laughs) I am more comfortable in the office where I work now to be myself. But a lot of times concentration for me includes standing up and walking around and saying silly things out loud because a little bit of echolalia where you just need to make noises. And so when I'm at home, I'll be like that. But when I am in front of other people, I have a tendency to tamp that down. And I don't think that I am alone in that at all. I think a lot of people do that. And sometimes it's for neurotypical things. Sometimes it's for other things. It is akin, I think, to code switching when we talk about the way that different races will code switch in order to fit in. Well, I didn't have anything that profound. I did have something profound, but then I realized members of my church have just started listening to this podcast. <laughs> Let me give you the obvious one that most people do. And that is whenever I get a call on the phone from somebody who's trying to sell me something, I can be a different person every time. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'm Dmitry <laughs> Korsakov, the European acrobat. And other times I'm just bombed and I don't know why they're calling this number. Mm. You can always be somebody different when they're calling you because they're not being serious either. So why not have fun with it? (laughs) I'm grateful all of you are you on this podcast. I'm looking forward to where this conversation will take us. And Crystal, we'll turn it over to you. All right. Have you ever just felt the need to share something? Have you felt the desire or compulsion even to get this out just Something that's inside of you that's bubbling up to the point that you have to speak. You can't not speak. As an opinionated person who also has ADHD, let me say that I know this feeling well. (laughs) Sometimes the urge to share is so great, I will let all sorts of things spill forth from my mouth, only to wish that the words were somehow attached to a rope that I could pull back in. More often than not, though, these things I want to share cause a joyful bubbling that starts in my brain and travels out of my mouth. I just can't help but share. In today's scripture, Paul just can't help himself. The power of Christ compels him to speak. That one's for you, Bert. And Paul simply must share the gospel. Paul explains that he has a divine compulsion to share the gospel, and he does so with no monetary compensation. The joy of sharing the gospel is his compensation. He is called by God to do. He is careful to explain that he is doing this because he is free to make such a choice. God has freed him from sin, and so he is now exercising his freedom on behalf of others. Out of that freedom, he gives up his life to the gospel. He becomes all things to all people. He uses his freedom to act as one under the law with the Jews and one outside of the law with the Gentiles. In essence, he's trying to understand each person with whom he will share and, quote, meet them where they are. 
This is not an anything goes approach because he's bound to the law of Christ. But that law is the law of love that requires him to interpret his freedom in light of others and their needs. After he shares his reasoning of how he shares the gospel, he then shares with the Corinthians a matter of discipleship. He talks of faith in terms they would understand, athletes and games. The Olympic Games honoring Zeus as well as the Isthmian Games honoring Poseidon would have been familiar to the audience. He compares the Christian faith to the running of a race or our work is that of a boxer. The faith requires ongoing work, self-discipline, and a clear sense of purpose. In one commentary I read, it said, quote, the Christian faith requires all of one's life for all of one's life, end quote. Paul is both dedicated to his faith, part of which is sharing how Christ has transformed his life. I make no bones about the fact that Paul is not my favorite author. His words have been used in so many ways to twist how faith is to be lived out and who is called. And I'm going to admit that I think David gives me these scriptures so that I have to wrestle with Paul. And I'll confess that maybe Paul is growing on me a little. If we take him at his word, Paul can be instructive to us here. He is called to be all things to all people out of the love Christ had for him and for them. Might we too then be called to the same? I'm not sure what that looks like in your particular context, but my prayer for each of us is that we do so out of the sheer joy of the gospel. For the gospel is good news for all people. It tells us that God is a God of love who understands us on a fundamental level. It tells us that God wants more for us than living a defeated life, for we are all God's children made in the image of God. God wants all of us, our whole lives and our whole being. God wants relationship with us and wants us to know how deeply loved we are and showed us that in the person of Jesus. Now, isn't that something worth sharing? Do you ever find it interesting that Paul can write this passage? I'm assuming this is one of those actually written by Paul and not one somebody calling themselves Paul has done like so many others are. But it's interesting that Paul can use passages like this to talk about being all things to all people and how he adapts to the situation he's in. At the same time, he's the one who's famous for confronting Peter for not going along, for sticking with one group and trying to be like them and not trying to be like the other group. Is there a contrast there or is this consistent with Paul's personality? I sometimes wonder about that. I don't guess I've ever thought about that, but that's an interesting question. I guess Paul is consistent with his inconsistency. At first glance, we see this sort of this behavior, this trying to be all things to all people as chameleon-like behavior, or at, at first glance, it's a unethical or devious kind of behavior. But it causes me to wonder whether there can be some real positives and wonderful ways in which behaving different ways in different situations can actually be a good thing and a relatable way to engage other people. 
I guess the backside of that question could be, Paul is flexible. He was flexible, mm-hmm. at least. Tried to be flexible. And his beef with Peter is that Peter wasn't flexible. He just mm-hmm. had the one group and wasn't willing to make this same flex. And so Paul's accusing him of being a hypocrite. It's not quite the same, because the overarching ethic is not believe what you believe and don't deviate from it. It's be with people, accept people, work with people. Don't lock anybody out. Yeah, it's very inclusive. I think that's... There's some quote out there about if basically if your religion is excluding people, then or if, Christi- if your Christianity is excluding people, then it's not Christianity. It's not you're not following Christ because Christ welcomed in and Christ included the least of these in all manner of people. So I think maybe that's part of what Paul's getting at here is that the gospel is truly for all people. It is inclusive. So it, we're not picking and choosing who's invited to the table. The table's big enough for everyone. And I think that can be carried over for us today to say, like, we don't corner the market on, gosh, I'm going to get in so much trouble. We don't corner the market on the gospel. Like we, we, if that makes sense, like we, the table is big enough for lots of people, for all people to come to the table. And I think sometimes we really miss that because we get caught up in this doctrine and that doctrine. Not that doctrine's not important, but it just, I feel like, <laughs> I'm getting an eh here from other yeah. people. But I think if we boil it down to the good news that God loves us and God is with us, I just don't see why we have to squabble about all this other stuff and why we can't be more open and loving with other people, especially since they're made in the image of God, just like we are. I really like, who was it that said that Paul's being consistent because he's flexible? Was that you, David? Mm -hmm. I think maybe you said that. And that really rings true for me that it's, and it's so funny, right? Because when we first meet Paul, he is so very rigid. Mm-hmm. He right. is so very just like you have to stick to the law this way. And then he has that this transformative moment in which he meets Christ. And so much of his language after that talks about freedom, which is what he's talking about here. It's the freedom that he wants everybody to experience. And so I feel like Paul is like after this transformation, I imagine people could say, yeah, Paul, he never meets a stranger. Like he's that kind of guy that can go up and find the human connection and not look at the cultural things that divide us, but found a way to connect human to human. And that's why he was such an effective sharer of the gospel, because it wasn't about checking a box or getting another star. It was something changed my life, and I want you to know about it. Is there a sense in which... And not to dwell on this, but this idea of being different things to different people, where Paul says to the Jew, I was Jew, to the weak, I was weak, being different things to different people. Is there a sense in which that's not chameleon-like behavior or any sort of being unethical? 
but respecting different kinds of people and trying to meet them where they are, respecting the differences that we encounter as human beings and saying, Pierce, try, trying to meet them on the within the context of that difference or on that level playing field, whatever that analogy is. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Is, is there anything to that idea or is that? I think there's a lot to that idea. And unlike Crystal, I'm taking more of a pro-Paul position here. But uh, <laughs> as he goes out, in, in the last letter that he probably legitimately wrote, Philippians, he's talking more about attitude than he is about precise behavior. And he even says at one point, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, which gives you a whole lot of space. It's more about the attitude you have towards other people than it is about following some specific doctrine you know, in the way he's talking most of the time. And that's not the kind of person who just says, oh, I'm going to be one way and one way only. The other piece of this that I thought of as you were talking about this was even in the Gospels, there's places where Jesus bites back against the Pharisees because they keep saying he's inconsistent. Hmm. Is if I come and I'm serious, then you all think that there's something wrong with me. And if I come and party with the rest of y'all, then you all think I'm a drunk. And you just, you can't be satisfied no matter what I do. And maybe Paul reflects that to some degree. At some point you meet people where they are and people are going to criticize that. That's not your problem. I wonder, I love that you pointed out the growth that we see by the time he gets to Philippians it's really more about attitude than anything that is exactly right, like right behavior. And it makes me wonder if as somebody who has been around church work, and I don't think church work has changed for probably 2000 years, that maybe Paul was getting so tired of listening to people ask questions about how do we know who's in and who's out? Because essentially that's what these questions are about, so that we need to know the right thing so that we know who's in and who's out. And that's just such a human thing for us to do. That's As humans, we are naturally geared to sort people into groups like that. And I think Paul is saying, maybe Paul is saying, or do you think Paul could be saying, it's not about that. It's about freedom and it's about, it's about experiencing the love of God. And it's not about this right behavior. It's more about joy and finding your way into mm -hmm. a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of joy in the first part of this passage too. And he's talking about his reward being that he can make his proclamation. He's so right. excited about that. I also found it interesting that he actually used the word athlete in here, which you don't <laughs> see that a whole lot, but athlete is from a Greek word means something without will. I mean, you've gone beyond the part where you have a conscious will. You, you've gone into a zone. You're beyond mm. this conscious will. And maybe in some degree, that's reflective of the earlier part of the passage where he's in a zone. It's just what he does. He, he's acting out. He's trained himself to do this. And this is just who he's going to be. And he's not thinking about those things that might move aside from that. Man, you guys keep it up and I'm going to really like Paul. Sorry. <laughs> David Adams does that to you. I know. Every time I talk about a Paul passage with David Adams, I like Paul a little bit more. Yeah. Every single time. I like this idea of growth. Like I hadn't ever really looked at Paul that way. Like 
I just really hadn't looked at Paul that way. And it's really refreshing to think about this kind of, this could be instructive for us on our, in our journey as we walk, that it is about growth and it is about evolution and change. And it's not just, we're not just stuck in them, but we don't just make this decision to follow Christ. And then we're just, okay, we're right. one and done. Here we go. Yeah. I like that. Thank you, David. Oh, you're welcome. I also see this passage. I'm looking at this and reading it again and reflecting what all of you are saying about Paul or, or things in general. And I get the feeling that if you read, especially Second Corinthians, you know, which is three or four letters down the road, Paul is someone people talk about a lot. You know, it, it may not even be what Paul said, but it's what people say about Paul that has people hating Paul sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, and Paul didn't, he reflected it. But sometimes, like this middle passage, we talking about making himself a slave to all that he might win more of them and all that. Paul's talking like a guy who doesn't have time to care about what other people are saying about him. He's just doing what's got to get done. And yeah, I'm, I could do these things. There's also passages related to this where Paul talks about how do you deal with people who've been weak? They use the word to the weak. I became weak in here. Like weak in faith. Like you can't hear something without freaking out about it. So I'm not going to tell you. You know, that kind of weak is, is usually the way he puts it. In fact, in Romans, he, he almost specifically puts it that way. You can't hear this without being no freak out. So I'm going to be weak just like them so I can win them over. I don't want to freak them out because you don't, you know, I might eat this meat that was sacrificed to an idol. The next thing they're all going to think that I like right. idols or something. So there's something to the freedom that comes with understanding that your relationship with God is what it is. Jesus Christ has paved the way for you to have that relationship. And it just doesn't matter what they say. I have really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm really struck by the place where we almost ended it, and that was this idea of continual growth. We talked about with Paul's theology and openness continues to grow, and our own does too. And gosh, if you ask any anybody who's been a person of faith for any length of time, have you gotten it all figured out yet? If they're honest with you, they'll say, I've just begun. And that's the truth for all of us. And I don't know about the rest of you, but it's one of the reasons why I'm on this podcast, because I'm still trying to figure it all out too. And it's, and it's a wonderful journey. So thank you all for this wonderful conversation as we continue this faith-filled explorational journey. And we're grateful for all our listeners for sticking it out with us. So thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.